13 tonight. Judges chapter 13. And tonight we're in the second part of a five-part series entitled The Greatest Comebacks. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, the Bible says that if we claim to be without sin, we are a liar and the truth of God is not in us. Friends, every Christian needs a comeback at some point in their life. Have you ever uh, been in your life and, and you love Jesus, but all of a sudden you just make the most foolish decision? <laughs> Have you ever zigged when you were supposed to zag? <laughs> Have you ever went up and you were supposed to go down? We all have. And tonight what I want to speak about for about the next three or four weeks is coming back. You see, friends, God's design and God's plan for your life and for mine is that we would have supernatural authority. Now, it's not that our lives should be perfect. It's not that our lives should have no bumps, no waves, no bruises. But God's plan is that as his children, we would have his power. If you don't have this verse memorized, this is a great verse. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And here's what it says. It says, if we are also sons, then we are also heirs of God. And what that means is, is that when you become a son or a daughter of God, everything that is God's now becomes yours. And so, friends, and I want to speak to you as you're turning to Judges chapter 13. God is really moving at Crown Point Church. We're growing every year in absolutely every place in our church. And uh, hopefully this year we're going to start a capital campaign fund, which is going to begin to raise money for a new kids ministry wing. Well, um, I really believe that every one of us should honor Pastor Newby. I believe that if you hear somebody and they're gossiping about Pastor or they're gossiping about Pastor Mary, you need to set the record straight. You need to look at them, brother, and say, can we just go tell that to Pastor Newby right now? If they're talking about Pastor Mary, you need to say, can we just go share that with her right now? Because let me tell you something. If you're meeting with somebody and they're gossiping about the man of God who's laid down his life for our congregation, I guarantee they'll gossip about you. Oh, maybe not to your face, but that's how those folks work. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. This isn't even my message tonight. Well, anyway, I was at church and, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, pastor was gone. And what happened is, is somebody called and uh, Pam put this call right through. Didn't, normally, the ladies let me know who has called, but this call came right through. And, and I got on and, hey, this is uh, Pastor Barry. And, and somebody goes, I want to speak to the head hog. And I said, excuse me? And they said, yes, I want to speak to the head hog. And I said, are you referring to Pastor Newby? I want to speak to the head hog. And I'll tell you what, I was about to just set this record straight. And I said, uh, pardon me, but you will not refer to our senior pastor as the head hog. And they said, well, I was just wanting to make a $250,000 contribution to the building fund. I said, wait a second, I'll get the big pig on in just a moment. <laughs> Well, tonight, I want to speak to you about making a comeback in your life. Tonight, we're going to look at the life of Samson. And see, there's three parts to his life. The first is the great start. The second is the fall. And the third is the finish. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Judges chapter 13. And I want to look with me, I want you to look with me at verse number five. In fact, we're going to begin at verse number four, please. Now see to it 
that no drink, no wine or fermented drink that you do not eat or partake of anything unclean. Verse number five says, because you will conceive and give birth to a son that no razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Friends, the word says here in verse number five, That he is to be set apart to God. Now there are many differences between us and Samson. Both in time and social structure, politically. But one thing unites us with him. And David, if there's a way you could bring my voice down some. I feel like I'm just a little hot here tonight. One thing that unites us and, and, and in many ways is similar to us and Samson. Is that God has set you apart. Do you know that friends? Once you become God's son or God's daughter, he picks you up. He turns you around and he sets you apart uh, as his very own. And tonight I want to speak to you about making a comeback in every area of our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word tonight. In the name of Jesus, I just ask you, Lord, to help our hearts and our minds just to receive your word. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here tonight. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, that my sins are forgiven. Help every person that's here tonight to listen and to hear and to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, right now, let your supernatural power flow. Amen. Friends, I want to look, first of all, at this very first point in his life, the promising start. Now, I've said this before, but what sets great men and women apart is not how they start but how they finish. And so let's look at his start here. Look at me at verse number five. It says that Samson, it says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And then look at the back part of verse five. It says, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. You see, first of all, he had a calling. God gave him a a calling. Do you know the difference? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Do you know the difference between somebody who's happy in life and somebody who's not? They have a calling. They have a purpose. You know, there are people that they have a lot of money, but if you have a lot of money and no purpose, you won't be happy in life. If you marry somebody, but there's no purpose in that marriage, you're not going to be happy. I can't tell you how many people in our country, in our church, just kind of float through life because they have no purpose. Samson was different. He had a calling from birth. God had preordained him to lead his people out of the destruction of the Philistines. I want to ask you tonight, do you know what God's called you to do? Do you know? What is it when you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to get out of bed? You know what? There's a lot of things that are wrong with Barry Young. But one thing is, I know what I'm called to do. And when I get up, I'm ready to go. I'm excited about the day because I'm walking exactly, perfectly in God's will for my life. I know what he's called me to do. I know how to do it. And I want to flow in it. And I want to ask you, what's the purpose in your life? Rick Warren, the senior pastor of Saddleback Church in California, do you know he has become independently wealthy? Rick Warren, he now, are you ready for this? He made so much money on the purpose-driven life, 
He paid back his church the first 30 years of his salary. He now lives off 5% of his salary and tithes 95%. You know why? He wrote that book, Purpose Driven Life, and he made multiplies millions. The reason being, because most American Christians don't know God's purpose for their life. And when finally somebody wrote a book that helped them experience that, it became very popular. If you're here tonight and you don't know what God's purpose or God's plan is, humble yourself before him. Make that your number one request. Lord, what would you have me to do? Tonight, Samson had a calling. Let's look at the second part here. Not only did he have a calling, look at me at verse 5 one more time. It says this, and I've already said it earlier, but it says he was set apart to God. You see, friends, number two, he had a promising start because he had a calling and he was set apart to God. Uh, Do you know what happens in marriages that struggle? They don't realize that that marriage is set apart to God. Do you know, when you're a Christian, when you and your spouse, you get married on the, uh, on the altar of God and before witnesses, and you, and, you, and you become in covenant with God and with your spouse, that marriage, that relationship becomes set apart. That, and, and friends, I want to tell you something. If you're here tonight and you're married, I want you to grasp this, that your relationship should be set apart. If you're here tonight and you do ministry in our church or ministry outside of the church, that ministry is set apart. God wants you to be different. Now, here's the thing. I want you to get this here. Everybody repeat after me. Different. Okay, one more time like you like me. (laughs) Different. Does not mean weird. Oh, I can't tell you how many Christians are weird and they think they're different. Listen, see, God calls us to be a peculiar people. But here's the thing. Not, Not a weird like, oh my goodness, I'll never go back to that church again. Those are weird. No, no. Peculiar like, wow. There's something different about them. I like it. Oh my goodness. The way they treat people. You know, every time I get around them, it makes me want to spend more time with them. God wants us to be a peculiar people, but drawing people to himself, not being weird. Number three. So let's look at the third promising start here. So, So Samson, he's got a calling. He's set apart by God. And then Judges chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. I want you to turn there or just read it there in your notes. It says this, it says that God says, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, the Lord and the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Number three, he defeated God's enemies. So here's Samson. He's got this great start. He's got a calling. He knows what God wants him to do. Oh, thank God. Number two, he's set apart. He knows and he's walking different. And then number three, he now begins to destroy the enemies of God. And if you're here, can I tell you the number one enemy that the devil will try to send against you is the enemy of average. God does not want your life to be average. God does not want your marriage to be average. God does not want your job to be average. God does not want any part of your life average. But here, Samson has defeated a thousand Philistines protecting God's people. What a great start, isn't it? What a great start. I pray that we all have that. I pray that God's purpose overflows. I pray that each one of you, you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to get out of bed. I pray that you would realize and walk in in your life that you know you are set apart. And I pray that you would defeat the enemies of God in your life. But let's look at number two, the fall. Number two, 
the fall. Let's look at Judges chapter 16, verse 20, and here's what the word says. Judges 16, verse 20. This is one of the most sad parts of the Bible. It says, and then she called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go at us before and shake myself free. I want you to hear this, brothers, sisters. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. First of all, here's the first part of his fall. He grew casual with the presence of God. Oh, friends, I want to tell you, if the devil can't keep you from coming to church, if the devil can't keep you from coming in those doors, he will get you to come into a church and not worship. He'll get you to come into a church uh, and not serve. He'll, he'll, he'll try to get you in the church uh, and not pray. Uh, friends, tonight, the American church, much of the American church, the presence of God is left uh, and they don't know it. And we're part of that church. And Barry Young has been partly there at times where God's presence or his touch has been temporarily removed because of my own casualness with God. Now, don't mistake casualness for family. See, God wants us to have intimacy with him. And we don't need to say these and thous. We can love into a, 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 we can run into a loving daddy's arms. But we need to value We don't need to take for granted the grace He's given us. Friends, we don't need to take for granted the freedom He's given us. We don't need to take for granted how good God is. And friends, if you're here tonight, don't grow casual in the presence of God. When there's an opportunity to worship God, worship Him. Thank Him that you are saved. That any problem you face, God can turn it around tonight. Today. But here's what Samson did. As he grew casual. You know what, friends? When you're living the type of life God wants you to live, you will never have to tell anybody you're a Christian. Never. Oh, I'll tell you what. When you treat people how God wants you to treat people, you'll never have to say, I go to Crown Point Church. You know what? When you start talking about other people the way God wants you to talk about other people, and that means if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Even when everybody else is speaking bad about your boss. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good tonight. (laughs) Even when everybody else is talking bad about the Sunday school teacher or whomever it is. See, our our relationship can get casual. Friends, I want to encourage you. God wants us to be loving and informal, but passionate for Him. Matthew 22, 37 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's look at number two. So that's the first thing. So here, Samson's this mighty man of God, and and, and all of a sudden, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord leaves him. And let me tell you something. There are much greater men of God than me who have lost their entire families and ministries because they grew casual. Maybe you're here tonight and you lost a marriage, or you lost a relationship with a son or daughter, or you lost a minister, or you lost an opportunity because... You let your relationship with God get casual. I've got good news for you when we come to the end of this message. Number two. So, so here's, here, here's, here's the uh, fall here. Secondly, uh, Judges chapter 16 verse 1. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. Number two, he gave in to lust. He gave in to lust. 
See, here's this thing. <laughs> Look at verse number one. This is not even has nothing to do with Delilah. This is before the, the, the kid's story, Samson and Delilah. Here he is running to a prostitute. God's chosen man of God. The man that God used to set thousands of people free and to destroy thousands of Philistines. He is now meeting with a prostitute. Man, if you're here tonight, let me give you a great rule of thumb for purity. Don't watch anything you couldn't watch if your spouse wasn't there with you. Don't say anything you couldn't say if your spouse wasn't there with you. Don't do anything you couldn't do if your spouse wasn't there with you. And I say that to the ladies as well. And see, not only can we lust after other people, but can I tell you something? We can lust after money, lust after power, lust after popularity. Let me give you the third thing. So here's what Samson does. He, he loses God's presence. He begins to, to lust. And then here's number three. Look at Judges 16, 16. Here's what the word says. It says, with such nagging, <laughs> okay, now, now we're talking about Delilah, his wife. Not that you needed to know that. <laughs> Thankfully, no man said amen. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. He gave in to ungodly requests. Now, that does not mean that if your spouse lovingly nags you, that you cannot tell her that Barry said, I cannot give in to these ungodly requests. <laughs> Do not misquote me that way. I enjoy being one of your pastors. I do not want to have to resign. <laughs> but, but can I tell you something? That's just how the devil will work. I, I, if you're here and I want you to receive this in your spirit. Very rarely do you say, I rebuke you devil one time and then he leaves and he leaves you alone. No, 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 no. No, I'll tell you what, the devil does not quit easy. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. But it doesn't give us a number on how many times you've got to resist him. Friends, I'll tell you something. You might tell the devil no once, but you've got to keep telling him no. Uh, you, you might say uh, no to the devil in this area. But if you say keep pushing him off that area, he'll come to another area. Don't you hate him? Oh, man, just when you got victory in one area of your life, then he'll come in another area. And so what happens is, is Samson gave in to ungodly counsel. I've got to give you one thing here. Who your friends are is who you will become. And really, who your friends are is who you are. Oh, friends, i tell you something. I love to get around godly men that push me closer to the Lord. And I love to get around ungodly men so I can try to push them closer to the Lord. But you've got to have a balance. If you're just around the godly people like Dan Phillips, here's what's going to happen. You're going to, get, you're going to become churchy and not going to be able to relate to non-Christian people. And, and, and then we're going to become Christians, shut up in the fort and let everybody go to hell while we're just having a Christian party. And then if you just hang out with the ungodly like Bill Weber, no, no, if you just hang out with the ungodly, if you just hang out with the ungodly, then people are standing up to see what you're looking at. <laughs> um, then then we, if you just hang out with the ungodly, then shortly you become ungodly. You want to have that balance. If you become where all your time is with Christians, you're going to be worthless to the kingdom of God. You're not going to have zero influence. Nobody's going to get saved because of you. And then if you hang out with just only those who are pre-Christians, you're going to get dragged in. You want to have that balancing point. And lastly, number four. Judges 16, 21 says this. 
Then the Philippines, uh, Philippines. <laughs> then the Philistines. <laughs> oh, here we go. Then the MU Tigers seized. No, then the Philistines seized him. Should we pray for the Tigers? <laughs> Lord, forgive them. Okay, Proverbs, verse 21 says, Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison. Number four, he lost his power. This is a place where all of us have been. I want you to listen to that verse one more time. Verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him. Here's how it would read for you or me. Then fear seized her. Then worry seized him. Then anxiety oppressed that family. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison. Some of you are here tonight and you're saved, but you're in a prison of worry or fear or anxiety. I've been there. Maybe you're here tonight and you're in a prison of condemnation. You love the Lord, but you feel so guilty about things that God's already forgiven. Samson here started great, and now he's lost everything. He went from a great, powerful man of God. Now he's shackled, he's bald, and he has no power. And he's in prison. We've all seen people take a huge fall like that. And at times we all have done that. Let's look at finally the third point here. Number three, the finish. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I want you to think about right now. Right now, I want you to think about where you're struggling in life right now. Just close yourself alone with the Lord. I want you to think about right now, where is it you need a comeback? Maybe your marriage isn't where it needs to be and you need a comeback. Maybe your thought life is not where it needs to be and you need a comeback. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your ministry. Maybe it's in your relationships. Where is it tonight that you need a comeback? Maybe you did something at work and this great reputation you had is now lost. Maybe a relationship with a son or daughter. Well, here's the good news. Because, see, this message is not about the greatest failures. This message, hallelujah, it's about the greatest comebacks. And let me finally give you the finish. Number 3, verse 26 says this. It says, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Number 1, he didn't give up. Oh, thank God. I got to mention this story, Larry, just because it's that time of year. I remember I was sitting at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas last year for the national championship game. Praise God, Jason. And I remember I was sitting next to one of my buddies and we're sitting here in the most hallowed place to watch basketball. The inventor of basketball, the very first coach of Kansas basketball, uh, started there at KU. And and we're watching the game and there's one minute and nine seconds left and the Jayhawks are down by nine. And I looked over at my friend and said, well, we lost. We choked. It's over. We're getting ready to get things put up. And all of a sudden, Sean Collins steals the ball and makes a three-pointer. And all of a sudden, they get another turnover. And uh, uh, we have another player that scores a bucket. And all of a sudden, right at the buzzer, 
Mario Chalmers hits a three covered and it goes into overtime. And I was, I was halfway out the door. <laughs> Cursing them. Well, not cur- well, kind of. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I wanted to. And so anyway, all of a sudden, lo and behold, it goes in overtime and they're the national champs. I don't believe that Kansas was the best team. Don't, don't, <laughs> I don't believe they were, but they didn't give up. And friends, tonight I want to encourage you in any area of your life, don't give up. Don't give up on that relationship. Don't give up on your finances. Don't give up on that dream or that ministry or that vision. Those who succeed often are not the most talented, but they are always the most persistent. If you didn't write that down, boy, you need to have that one. Those that succeed are not the most talented. They are the most persistent. And Samson, uh, he did not give up. Number two, how do we finish? How do we come back when we fail miserably? Number two, Judges 16, 28 says this. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord. Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me, oh God. Please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Number two. He called to God from the pit. If I could have Chris come to play very softly. You see, friends, what Samson did uh, is right in the middle of the pit. He called out to God. And here's what makes him different. Most of us, when we fail, we give up on God. Oh, most of us, when things start to get tough, we just give up. Oh, when we've made that embarrassing failure, we just quit. But what Samson did is he made a commitment not to give up. He says, oh God, once more. And you can pray that prayer. Oh God, give me one more business opportunity. I won't mess it up. Oh God, give me one more opportunity to share the gospel with this person. God, give me one more opportunity with my spouse. God, give me one more opportunity. And you name the, you fill the blank. He didn't give up. Number three, the finish. And, and I've got a verse there about not giving up. Psalm 130 verse 1 says this. Out of the pit I cry to you, O Lord. Oh God, I, I thank God that he's in the pit just like he is on the mountaintop. Number three, the finish. In Judges chapter 16, look at verse 30. Says so Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pit, then he pushed with all of his might. Number three, he pushed with all he had. Oh, friends, tonight, maybe you're here and you say, Barry, I've tried to get rid of this habit for three years. Push with all you have. Oh, Barry, you don't know how stubborn he is. You really got to push with all your might. <laughs> Oh, Barry, you don't understand. I'm not that talented. Push. I feel like we're having a Lamaze class tonight. <laughs> it's prophetic, Kelly. Look at that. Okay, so see, he pushed. And you know something, if, you're, if you have the word push, I want you to write this down. Write it vertically. You know, I, I heard this for push. Pray until something happens. That's what I mean by push. If you write it vertically, pray until something happens. Oh, friends, there's power when we push with God. Oh, not when we push without Him, but when we push with Him. Lastly, number four. Listen to verse 30. Judges 16. And this is what God wants for you tonight. It says, Then He pushed with all His might 
and down came the temple. All the rulers and all the people in it. Listen to this last verse, underline it in your notes. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Thus he killed many more. Thus he did more for God after he failed. What a good God. I, I just want you to get this tonight. Friends, I beg you, just get this. It's after he failed miserably. After he engaged with a prostitute and then, then he marries Delilah and then he gets sucked and loses all his power. After he failed is when God used him the most. And so if you're here tonight and you failed, what makes me excited about this gospel is this is a God that when we fail the worst, when we fail the most, when we let all hell break loose, uh, He can still use us more. And if you're here tonight, And the devil would try to tell you, you can't do this. This can't change. You'll never have that. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. It's right there in your notes. It says, he did more for God at the end of his life than at the beginning. So what does that mean? That means that when Samson was perfect, when everything was going great, God used him more after the failure. Because that's the type of God that we serve. He's a redeemer. He redeems our problems and uses them for his purposes. I want you to give three things as we close here tonight. What do I want you to take home? Well, God's presence is here tonight. Three things. Number one that's in there in your notes. When temptation is its toughest. Oh, friends, every godly person is tempted. Pastor Newby, Pastor Mary, Pastor Jeff, Pastor uh, Craig. It is not ungodly to be tempted. We will all be tempted. If you don't know somebody who's not being tempted, they're not telling you the truth. We all get tempted. But here's the problem is when we give in to temptation. And that's what Samson did. Temptation was its toughest. And Samson gave in to that temptation. Number two, right there in your notes, what to leave with. Once you give in to temptation, number two, then sin becomes its strongest. You see, sin is not strong when we've not given in to the temptation. But once we give in, it's called the stronghold. Once we give the devil an inch, he takes a mile. You're here tonight. When temptation is its toughest, then sin becomes its strongest. Friends, I'll tell you something right now. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will take more from you than you're willing to give. Sin will always start small and it will always get big. And it always starts with temptation. Now, without Jesus, that's where the sermon would end tonight. If we didn't know Jesus, if he didn't rise from the grave, that would be it. Oh, but thank God. 
When temptation is its toughest, when sin becomes its strongest, number three, grace then becomes its greatest. Hallelujah. Grace uh, becomes its greatest. And that's what God did for Samson. He took him, even though he allowed himself to be tempted, he gave him to that sin. And then at the end of his life, God uses him more than he ever had before. And so God's grace can be at its greatest in your life tonight. Friends, tonight I want to ask you, where do you need a comeback? Let God's grace come into that situation tonight in Jesus' name. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Samson's a hero of the faith. Not because he was perfect, but because he made a comeback. Here's one last thing I want you to write at your notes. Here it is, last thing. Very simply this. This world does not need perfect Christians. This world needs delivered Christians. That's what they need. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you've made mistakes in your past, say, God, thank you that you're going to redeem those mistakes. If you've failed, God, thank you that you're going to redeem those failures. God doesn't need perfect Christians. He needs delivered ones.